0: Welcome back to the Youth Bible in One Year, day 268. Today we're looking at a massive contrast. We're looking at the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and mainly where the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is involved. In the Old Testament we see that the Holy Spirit came on particular people, at particular times, for particular purposes. But in the New Testament we see that everyone has the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in their hearts, on all Christians. So... What does this look like in our lives, and how should we be living spirit-powered
1: lives? I felt ablaze with a desire to go through the length and breadth of Wales to tell of the Saviour. And had it been possible, I was willing to pay God for doing so, wrote Evan Roberts, the man at the centre of the Welsh revival of 1904-1905. He spoke about how the Spirit of God gave him an overwhelming experience of God's love. He was filled with compassion and a desire to tell others about Jesus. We live in the age of the Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came on particular people at particular times for particular purposes. We see an example of this in today's reading when the Holy Spirit came on Isaiah. This event was a foretaste of the Holy Spirit. Coming upon Jesus, as well as of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all Christians from the day of Pentecost onwards. The book of Proverbs anticipates what spirit powered living should look like. Then, in the New Testament, we see the fulfillment of spirit powered living. From Proverbs 23,
0: Listen, my son, and be wise, and keep your heart on the right path.
1: A wise life. What does a wise lifestyle look like? How do you become wise and point your life in the right direction? The Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom. Living according to the spirit of wisdom and understanding means taking care over, first, what you eat and drink. Don't drink too much wine and get drunk. Don't eat too much food. We are to be neither drunks nor gluttons. Second, whom you listen to. Listen with respect to the father who raised you. And when your mother grows old, don't neglect her. Respect for parents is the mark of wisdom. Wise children should make their parents proud of them. Third, how you learn. An inquisitive mind is the mark of the spirit of wisdom. By truth, by wisdom, by education, by insight. The spirit of wisdom gives you a hunger for truth and knowledge. Fourth, what you think about, what you think in your heart you become. My child, give me your heart. This is where everything starts. Guard your heart and your mind. Fifth, what you look at. Let your eyes keep to my ways. Being careful about what you look at is one of the ways to guard against promiscuity and immorality. Lord, fill me today with the spirit of wisdom. May my life be honoring to Jesus. New Testament from Ephesians 4 Live a life
0: worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. We will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work.
1: A healthy life. What are the characteristics of a healthy church? Paul tells us how the church can grow up healthy in God. First, unity. Unity is not simply the work of the Holy Spirit, but the very instrument through which the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit unites the church. The church is one. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Unity is relational. All Christians are sons and daughters of the one God and Father of all. Therefore, we are brothers and sisters. We all love one Lord, Jesus. We all have the Holy Spirit living within us. Ultimately, it is our relationship to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that unites us. And yet, unity is so hard in practice. It is easy to argue. It's easy to split. It's easy to start our own group with people who agree with us. Unity requires great effort. Paul urges us to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We need to spare no effort to make the invisible unity of the one church visible at every level, within local churches, between churches, and among all denominations. Before he went to the cross, Jesus prayed that the church would be one in order that the world might believe. This unity is founded in God's unity, so it can never be at the expense of truth. We must continue to speak the truth in love. As John Stott writes, truth becomes hard if it's not softened by love. Love becomes soft if it's not strengthened by truth. The visible unity of the church should always be our aim. Paul describes characteristics that help this unity. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Second, diversity. Unity does not mean uniformity. The Holy Spirit brings both unity and diversity. Paul goes on to say, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Jesus has ascended higher than all the heavens but he's also returned to the earth in the person of the Holy Spirit, through whom different gifts are now given to each of us in the church. Every single person in the church is a minister. You are a minister. The word for service means ministry. We are all given different gifts. Third, maturity. The purpose of these gifts is that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, becoming mature as we attain the complete measure of the fullness of Christ. It is not enough to get older. We need to grow in spiritual maturity. Fourth, growth. Healthy children grow. Healthy churches grow in depth and in number. Church growth should be natural. This is a beautiful picture of how we can play our own part in the growth of the body of Christ. Speaking the truth in love, We will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You have to play your part and we grow as we all work at it together. Lord, fill me with your spirit and help me to grow into a mature knowledge of Jesus in a healthy, united, and growing church. Old Testament, from Isaiah 60-62
0: The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. For I, the Lord, love
1: justice. An Anointed Life Jesus announced his manifesto for his ministry and kingdom by reading from Isaiah 61. It is an audacious and revolutionary manifesto and you have a part to play in bringing it about. Jesus went into the synagogue in Nazareth and was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Unrolling it, he found the place in today's passage where it's written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He said to those there, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What does Jesus' manifesto involve? First, transforming lives. When you encounter Jesus, a great exchange takes place in your life. He takes your sin and gives you his righteousness. He gives freedom to the prisoners, sight to the blind, and release for the oppressed. He bestows on you a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Second, transforming relationships. Jesus uses the analogy of marriage. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. Marriage is meant to point people to the close, intimate, and loving relationship God desires to have with us. A strong society is built on strong families. Strong families are built on strong marriages. Third, transforming culture. Cities tend to be the source of culture. Isaiah declares they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. The manifesto of Jesus involves a transformation of the mountains of influence, the marketplace, government, education, media, arts and entertainment. Fourth, transforming society. A transformed society will involve dealing with issues of poverty. Jesus came to preach good news to the poor. It will also involve issues of justice. So much of the world's suffering is caused by injustice. For I, the Lord, love justice I hate robbery and iniquity. Fifth, transforming leadership. Leadership is key in any society. You'll have the title, Priests of God, honoured as ministers of our God. Lord, anoint me today with your Holy Spirit to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, comfort those who mourn and see lives transformed from ashes to beauty, from mourning to to gladness, and from despair to praise. Pepper adds, Proverbs 23, verse 22 says, Do not despise your mother when she is old. I definitely need to remind my children of this verse.
0: Let's pray. Lord, all we want today is your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you poured it out on Pentecost and that I can live a spirit-powered life today. Lord, I ask, come Holy Spirit, fill my heart today.